Section 7 of the Argonautica. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mitch Greenberg. The Argonautica by Apollonius Rhodius. Translated by R.C. Seaton. Section 7, Book 2, Part 3. Thus he spake, and straightway they ceased from such words and gave unwearying labor to the oar and quickly they passed by the swiftly flowing river Rebes and the peak of Cologne, and soon thereafter the black headland, and near it the mouth of the river Phyllis, where aforetime Dipseus received in his home the son of Athamas, when with his ram he was flying from the city of Ortrominus, and Dipsicus was the son of a meadow nymph, nor was insolence his delight, but contented by his father's stream he dwelt with his mother, pasturing his flocks by the shore and quickly they sighted and sailed past his shrine and the broad banks of the river and the plain and deep flowing calp and all the windless night and the day they bent to their tireless oars and even as ploughing oxen toil as they cleave the moist earth and sweet streams in abundance from flank and neck and from beneath the yoke their eyes roll askance while the breath ever rushes from their mouths in hot gasps and all day long they toil planting their hoofs deep in the ground like them the heroes kept dragging their oars through the sea now when the vine light has not yet come nor is it utter darkness but a faint glimmer has spread over the night the time when men wake and call it twilight at that hour they ran into the harbour of the desert island thinius and spent by weary toil mounted the shore and to them the son of leto as he passed from lycia far away to the countless folks of the hyperboreans appeared and about his cheeks on both sides his golden locks flowed in clusters as he moved in his left hand he held a silver bow and on his back was slung a quiver hanging from his shoulders and beneath his feet all the island quaked and the waves surged high on the beach helpless amazement seized them as they looked and no one dared to gaze face to face into the fair eyes of the god and they stood with heads bowed to the ground but he far off passed on to the sea through the air and at length orpheus spake as follows addressing the chiefs come let us call this island the sacred isle of apollo of the dawn since he has appeared to all passing by at dawn and we will offer such sacrifices as we can building an altar on the shore and if hereafter he shall grant us safe return to the harmonian land then we will lay on his altar the thighs of horned goats and now i bid you propitiate him with the steam of sacrifice and libations be gracious o king be gracious in thy appearing thus he spake and they straightway built up an altar with shingle and over the island they wandered seeking if haply they could get a glimpse of a fawn or a wild goat they often seek their pasture in the deep wood and for them leto's son provided a quarry and with pious rites they wrapped in fat the thigh bones of them all and burnt them on a sacred altar celebrating apollo lord of dawn and round the burning sacrifice they set up a broad dancing ring singing all hail fair god of healing phobius all hail and with them oegrus's godly son began a clear lay on his bistonian lyre how once beneath the rocky ridge of parnassus he slew with his bow the monster delphine he still young and beardless still rejoicing in his long tresses mayst thou be gracious ever o king be thy locks unshorn ever unravaged for so it is right and none but leto daughter of coeus strokes them with her dear hands and often the corician nymphs daughters of pleistus took up their cheering strain crying healer 
Hence arose this lovely refrain of the hymn to Phobius. Now when they had celebrated him with dance and song, they took an oath with holy libations, that they would ever help each other with concord of heart, touching the sacrifice as they swore. And even now there stands there a temple to gracious concord, which the heroes themselves reared, paying honor at that time to the glorious goddess. Now when the third morning came, with a fresh west wind they left the lofty island, Next on the opposite side they saw and passed the mouth of the river Sangarius, and the fertile land of the Mariandini, and the stream of Lycus, and the Anthemosian lake, and beneath the breeze the ropes and all the tackling quivered as they sped onward. During the night the wind ceased, and at dawn they gladly reached the haven of the Acrusian headland. It rose aloft with steep cliffs looking towards the Bithynian sea, and beneath its smooth rocks, ever washed by the sea, stand rooted firm and round them the wave rolls and thunders loud but above wide-spreading plain trees grow on the topmost point and from it towards the land a hollow glen slopes gradually away where there is a cave of hades overratched by woods and rocks from here an icy breath unceasingly issuing from the chill recess ever forms a glistening rhyme which melts again beneath the midday sun and never does silence hold that grim headland but there is a continual murmur from the sounding sea and the leaves that quiver in the winds from the cave. And here is the outfall of the river Asheron, which bursts its way through the headland and falls into the eastern sea, and a hollow ravine brings it down from above. In after times the Nisaean Magarians named it Sunats, when they were about to settle in the land of the Mariandini. For indeed the rivers saved them with their ships when they were caught in a violent tempest, but this way the heroes took the ship through the Asherian headlands and came to land over against it as the wind had just ceased. Not long had they come unmarked by Lycus, the lord of that land, and the Mariandini, they the slayers of Amicus, according to the report which the people heard before. But for that very deed they even made a league with the heroes, and Polydeuces himself they welcomed as a god, flocking from every side, since for a long time they had been warring against the arrogant Babrisians and so they went up all together into the city and all that day with friendly feelings made ready a feast within the palace of lycus and gladdened their souls with converse aeson's son told them the lineage and name of each of his comrades and the behests of peleus and how they were welcomed by the lamanian women and all that they did at Dolonian Cesius, and how they reached the Mysian land and Cius, where sore against their will they left behind the heroes Heracles, and he told the saying of Glaucus, and how they slew the Bebrician and Amicus, and he told of the prophecies and afflictions of Phineas, and how they escaped the Cyanian rocks, and how they met with Leto's son at the island, and he told all, Lycus was charmed in soul with listening, and he grieved for Heracles left behind, and spake as follows among them all. O friends, what a man he was from whose help ye have fallen away, as ye cleave your long path to Aetes. For well do I know that I saw him here in the halls of Dasylus my father, when he came hither on foot through the land of Asia, bringing the girdle of warlike Hippolyte, and me he found with the down just growing on my cheeks. And here when my brother Priolus was slain by the Mycenes, my brother, whom ever since the people lament with most piteous dirges, he entered the list with Tistius in boxing and slew him, mighty Tistius, who surpassed all the use in beauty and strength, and he dashed his teeth to the ground. 
together with the mycians he subdued beneath my father's sway the, the phrygians also who inhabit the lands next to us and he made his own the tribes of the bithynians and their land as far as the mouth of rebus and the peak of cologne and besides them the paphlagonians of philops yielded just as they were even all those round whom the dark waters of bilias's breaks but now the bebrycians and the insolence of amicus have robbed me since heracles dwells far away for they have long been cutting off huge pieces of my land until they have set their bounds at the meadows of the deep-flowing hypheus nevertheless by your hands have they paid the penalty and it was not without the will of heaven i trow that he brought war on the bebrycians that day he the son of tendaris when he slew that champion wherefore whatever requital i now able to pay gladly will i pay it for that is the rule for weaker men when the stronger begin to help them so with you all and in your company i bid dasilius my son follow and if he goes you will find all men friendly that ye meet on your way through the sea even to the mouth of the river thermodon and besides that to the sons of tedarius i will raise a lofty temple on the Assyrian's height which all sailors shall mark far across the sea and shall reverence and hereafter for them i will set apart outside the city as for gods some fertile fields of the well-tilled plain thus all day long they revelled at the banquet but at dawn they hied down to the ship in haste and with them went lysis himself when he had given them countless gifts to bear away and with them he sent forth his son from his home and in here his destined fate smote idmon son of abbas skilled in soothsaying but not all did his soothsaying save him for necessity drew him on to death for in the mead of a reedy river there lay cooling his flanks and huge belly in the mud a white tusked boar a deadly monster whom even the nymphs of the marsh dreaded and no man knew it but all alone he was feeding in the wide fell but the son of abbas was passing along the raised banks of the muddy river and the boar from some unseen lair leapt out of the reed bed and charging gashed his thigh and severed in twain the sinews and the bone and with a sharp cry the hero fell to the ground and as he was struck his comrades flocked together with answering cry and quickly peleus with his hunting spear aimed at the murderous boar as he fled back into the fen and again he turned and charged but idas wounded him and with a roar he fell impaled upon the sharp spear and the boar they left on the ground just as he had fallen there but idmon now at last gasped his comrades bore to the ship in sorrow of heart and he died in his comrades arms and here they stayed from taking thought for their voyaging and abode in grief for the burial of their dead friend and for three whole days they lamented and on the next they buried him with full honours and the people and king lysus himself took part in the funeral rites and as is due of the departed they slaughtered countless sheep at his tomb and so a barrow to this hero was raised in that land and there stands a token for men of later days to see the trunk of a wild olive tree such as ships are built of and it flourishes with its green leaves a little below the Ashurian headland and if at the biting of muses i must tell this tale outright phobius strictly commanded the boeotians and nicians to worship him as guardian of their city and to build their city round the trunk of the ancient wild olive but they instead of the god-fearing aeolid idmon at this day honoured agamastor who was the next that died for then a second time the heroes heaped up a barrow for a comrade dead for still are to be seen two monuments of those heroes the tale goes that tiphys son of hagnias died 
nor was it his destiny thereafter to sail any further but him there on the spot a short sickness laid to rest far from his native land when the company had paid due honours to the dead son of abbas and at the cruel woe they were seized with unbearable grief for when with due honours they had buried him also hard by the seer they cast themselves down in helplessness on the seashore silently closely wrapped up and took no thought for meat or drink and their spirit drooped in grief for all hope of return was gone and in their sorrow they would have stayed from going further had not hera kindled exceeding courage in ansaeus whom near the waters of imbrasus astipalaea bore to poseidon for especially was he skilled in steering and eagerly did he address peleus son of aeasus is it well for us to give up our toils and linger on in a strange land not so much for my prowess in war did jason take me with him in quest of the fleece far from Pathenia. as for my knowledge of ships wherefore i pray let there be no fear for the ship and so there are here other men of skill of whom none will harm our voyaging whomever we set at the helm but quickly tell forth all this and boldly urge them to call to mind their task thus he spake and peleus's soul was stirred with gladness and straightway he spake in the midst of all my friends why do we thus cherish a bootless grief like this for those too have perished by the fate that they have met with but among our host are steersmen yet and many a one wherefore let us not delay our attempt but rouse yourselves to the work and cast away your griefs and him in reply aeson's son addressed with helpless words son of aeasus where are these steersmen of thine for those whom we once deemed to be men of skill they even more than i are bowed with vexation of heart wherefore i forebode an evil doom for us even as for the dead if it shall be our lot neither to reach the city of fell aetes nor ever again to pass beyond the rocks to the land of hellas but a wretched fate will enshroud us here ingloriously till we grow old for naught thus he spake but ansaeus quickly undertook to guide the swift ship for he was stirred by the impulse of the goddess and after him erginus and nauplius and euphemus started up eager to steer but the others held them back and many of his comrades granted it to ansaeus so on the twelfth day they went aboard at dawn for a strong breeze of westerly wind was blowing and quickly with the oars they passed out through the river Acheron, and trusting to the wind, shook out their sails, and with canvas spread far and wide they were cleaving their passage through the waves in fair weather. And soon they passed the outfall of the river Calichorus, where, as the tale goes, the Nicene son of Zeus, when he had left the tribes of the Indians and came to dwell at Thebes, held revels and arrayed dancers in front of a cave wherein he passed unsmiling sacred nights, from which time the neighbors call the river by the name Calichorus and the cave Olean. Next they beheld the barrow of Stenelus, Actor's son, who on his way back from the valorous war against the Amazons, for he had been the comrade of Heracles, was struck by an arrow and died there upon the sea-beach. And for a time they went no further, for Persephone herself sent forth the spirit of Actor's son, which craved with many tears to behold men like himself, even for a moment. And mounting on the edge of the barrow, he gazed upon the ship, such as he was when he went to war and round his head a fair helm with four peaks gleamed with its blood-red crest and again he entered the vast gloom and they looked and marvelled and mopsus son of ampicus with word of prophecy urged them to land and propitiate him with libations 
quickly they drew in sail and threw out hawsers and on the strand paid honor to the tomb of stenelis and poured out drink offerings to him and sacrificed sheep as victims and besides the drink offerings they built an altar to apollo savior of ships and burnt thigh bones and orpheus dedicated his lyre whence the place has the name of lyra and straightway they went aboard as the wind blew strong and they drew the sail down and made it taut to both sheets then argo was borne over the sea swiftly even as a hawk soaring high through the air commits to the breeze its outspread wings and is borne on swiftly nor swerves in its flight poising in the clear sky with quiet pinions and lo they passed by the stream of parthenius as it flows into the sea a most gentle river where the maid daughter of leto when she mounts to heaven after the chase cools her limbs in its much desired waters then they sped onward in the night without ceasing and passed sasamus and lofty erythini crobialis cromna and woody citorus next they swept round carambis at the rising sun and plied the oars past long agialis all day and all through the night and straightway they landed on the assyrian shore where zeus himself gave a home to sinope daughter of asopus and granted her virginity beguiled by his own promises for he longed for her love and he promised to grant her whatever her heart's desires might be and she in her craftiness asked of him virginity and in like manner she deceived apollo too who longed to wed her and besides them the river halys and no man ever subdued her in love's embrace and there the sons of noble Demachus of Trica were still dwelling, Dilion, Autolycus, and Phlogius, since the day when they wandered far away from Heracles, and they, when they marked the array of chieftains, went to meet them and declared in truth who they were. And they wished to remain there no longer, but as soon as Argestes blew went on shipboard. And so with them, borne along by the swift breeze, the heroes left behind the river Halys, and left behind his that flows hard by, and the delta land of Assyria. And on the same day they rounded the distant headland of the Amazons that guards their harbor. Here once when Melanope, daughter of Ares, had gone forth, the hero Heracles caught her by ambuscade, and Hippolyte gave her a glistening girdle as her sister's ransom, and he sent away his captive unharmed in the bay of this headland at the outfall of thermodon they ran ashore for the sea was rough for their voyage no river is like this and none sends forth from itself such mighty streams over the land if a man should count every one he would lack but four of a hundred but the real spring is only one this flows down to the plain from lofty mountains which men say are called the amazonian mountains thence it spreads inland over a hilly country straight forward wherefrom its streams go winding on and they roll on this way and that evermore wherever best it can reach the lower ground one at a distance and another near at hand and many streams are swallowed up in the sand and are without a name but mingled with a few the main stream openly bursts with its arching crest of foam into the inhospitable pontus and they would have tarried there and have closed in battle with the amazons and would have fought not without bloodshed for the amazons were not gentle foes and regarded not justice those dwellers on the doian chin plain 
but grievous insolence and the works of Ares were all their care. For by race they were the daughters of Ares and the nymph Harmonia, who bare to Ares war-loving maids wedded to him in the glens of the Acmonian wood, had not the breezes of Argestes come again from Zeus, and with the wind they left the rounded beach where the Cimicerian Amazons were arming for war. For they dwelt not gathered together in one city, but scattered over the land, parted into three tribes. In one part dwelt the Cimicerians, over whom at that time Hippolyte reigned, in another the Lascastians, and in another the dart-throwing Chadesians. And the next day they sped on, and at nightfall they reached the land of the Chalabes that folk have no care for ploughing with oxen or for any planting of honey-sweet fruit nor yet do they pasture flocks in the dewy meadow but they cleave the hard iron-bearing land and exchange their wages for daily sustenance nor does the morn rise for them without toil but amidst bleak sooty flames and smoke they endure heavy labour end of section seven recording by mitch greenberg